This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage moving Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio, NTS News, Talk Sport. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Just the two of us tonight. Willem uh, is having the week off, as is Dino. We'll have a chat to Dino on the phone, though. He's uh, down at the Mad Thursday of his uh, club. But uh, first edition, as it always will, it kicks off shortly with uh, the uh, FFA Cup round of 16 done and dusted as well. Though We'll kick off, as we love to do, with the Giant Killers, featuring one of the NPL clubs who've made it through to the quarterfinals and one of the great clubs of Australian football, the Brisbane Strikers. We'll chat to their young gaffer, Owen Baker, who's engineered an outstanding cup run. Then with the new era of the Melbourne victory underway, a good mate of the show, Chief Football Writer with the Age, Michael Lynch, joins us. And then we'll return to the FFA Cup theme with that very own former Notts County man, friend of ours, and 250-game veteran of the Victorian Premier League, Dean Hennessy, on club duty tonight. As I said, he will be on the telephone. In the second hour, as we always do, we'll kick off with second edition news and the latest on Socceroos and Matilda Central. And then we're going to have a crack at having a chat to our mate Rob Tanner. He's uh, he's not with the Leicester Mercury anymore, but he's now with uh, a, a subscription-based sports website called The Athletic, and it's their mission to provide smarter coverage for the diehard fans. Now, Rob is travelling back from Newcastle to uh, Tamworth, his hometown, having watched the Foxes knock off uh, Newcastle at St James's Park. So we're going to have a bit of a crack. It might be a scratchy line, but you'll put up with this, our dear listeners, as have you had done for the the last couple of hundred episodes looking forward to a double dose of rob and then we'll wrap it up with stoppage time but michael um it's been a busy week it always is a busy week in football um what's what's caught your eye well obviously it's the great british uh, rail journey with rob tanner later in the show it'll be interesting to see <laughs> what that's fun. like it'll be fun i might be a bit of a crackly line yeah it's been a busy week hasn't it um, um obviously dean uh is out having mad thursday just uh, get your views on dino and mad thursday what do you think's happening there? i think he'll be an elder statesman behaving himself he might have had a refreshment by the time he joins us but he'll be in good form in other words he'll be leading the charge <laughs> after he finishes with us Yes, that's good. Hey, you got some news for us? Yeah, I sure do. Now, this story, the football coaches of Australia um, have um, had issued a press release, which which doesn't seem to have gone as well as they would have expected because it seems that uh, um, some of the content of that um, press release wasn't uh, as accurate as it could have been. Uh, of course, this is the review into the national team practices uh, that um, is, is coming up. So, Edge, what do you make of all that? Uh, well, it was interesting, wasn't it? Um, the F- FCA, the Football Coaches Australia, pretty young organisation, put out a press release effectively saying that Stagic was banned from uh, providing um, any uh, contribution to the review, an interview or a submission, and that uh, uh, on the basis of that, uh, anybody who was working in the national teams unit but is no longer with FFA also couldn't um, provide any input or be interviewed. So I must admit, when I read the terms of reference, I didn't at all get that impression. I, I felt that Alan would have been welcome to provide an interview and I thought that anybody who'd been working in the high performance unit but was no longer working could also um, have their input. So what I did was um, go and get some independent legal advice on the terms of reference which was essentially um, verified. So um, the Football Coaches Association has sort of put all of that out and then after some discreet inquiries with people that used to work in the high performance unit who I thought would be uh, candidates to be interviewed, I thought I would contact 
contact them to see whether they had been invited to be interviewed and they confirmed that they had. So that basically led me to believe that the Football Coaches Association probably got some, um, went, jumped the gun, uh, necessarily probably didn't do their homework properly, but my information is that Alan Stagic will be invited to mm. participate in the review and uh, so will former staff members. So on the basis of that, I don't know what the press release was all about. Okay. All right. Well, um, that um, probably uh, says enough, and uh, and I think um, like we all make mistakes. Um, and, yeah, I just uh, hope the that FCA the... comes out and says, yeah, I made a mistake. Yeah. We'll move on. Yep, exactly. And uh, it's uh, it's interesting times when um, when such a hot topic comes it, about because the, the, the uh, last you know, thing you need is misinformation, don't you, Robert? You need yeah. you need to rely on proper information, and that's uh, yeah. not what we've had, not what we've had in this case this week. Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, as we segue into the uh, the Melbourne Victories proposed women's uh, and youth academy, because the, uh, in terms of misinformation, a lack of information seems to have, uh, have put this one on the back burner. The Maribyrnong City Councillors have rejected the proposal. Six to one, the development in Footscray Park has been met with fierce opposition with the Save Footscray Park Alliance actively protesting in the streets and online. The councillors acknowledged it had been a bitterly divided community issue and an advisory panel would be developed. So uh, maybe that's what they should have done first up uh, to get the advisory panel first up because it's a... Uh, um, it's a, it's an area that uh, is becoming gentrified. Um, it was a real working class area, Footscray, and uh, and and as much as it needs, uh, you know, great facilities, um, the people of of the area, it seems, uh, just weren't consulted, and uh, and they've just blown up the locks. Yeah, look, um, I had a look at this a bit of a deep dive during the week, and it's um, it's a slinging match from both sides of the fence. Mm. But I think Melbourne Victory has been well and truly uh, hung out to dry here. They mm. got state government support, uh, a chunk of funding. They're obviously investing some of their own funds into it. Uh, Victoria University was heavily involved in the process, and unfortunately, uh, the local residents have... Uh, have won the day at the moment, but it's been referred to a committee for further investigation. So let's hope it gets up because mm. it's a great location and it would be super for Melbourne Victory and uh, football, in particular women's football. So let's uh, hope it gets up. And the people of Maribyrnong, uh, why would you live there? Well, it's a beautiful area. Um, you would live there because it's a beautiful area. Exactly. Um, that's my answer anyway. Uh, okay, so look, the big story of the week in international football was that Berry FC had been expelled from the English Football League after 125 years of membership. Berry became the first club since 1992 to be kicked out of the league. Uh, CNN sporting risk last minute to buy the club fell over. And how about this? Let's have a listen to owner Steve Dale. This is the shocking sort of work that we, uh, we, we've uh, found uh, this club involved with um, as he had his say hours before the club's deadline. I never went to Bury. It's not a place I frequented. So, you know, for me to walk away from Bury and never go back is is a very easy thing to do because I don't do anything up there. I'm not, I wouldn't, I didn't even know there was a football team called Bury, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm not a football fan. So, so that's the owner yeah. um, talking about uh, after the crash of uh, yeah, So this club. clown has had 43 of his 51 companies. He's been involved with liquidated. So, you know, that just says about enough that, uh, you know, this is the heart and soul of many people's lives. You know, well, we're uh, going to talk to Rob Tanner a little bit about it. But uh, but it's the first time, since, uh, I think, since 1992 that, a, mm. that the Football League set to expel a club. But fortunately, at least Bolton Wanderers seem to have had a lifeline and uh, hopefully that 
won't be a false dawn. Now, Liverpool have been forced to deny accusations of mentally bullying 18-year-old striker Bobby Duncan. Duncan is the cousin of Steven Gerrard and has spent time on the fringes of Liverpool's first team and has been the subject of interest in Fiorentina. He seems to want to go there. His representative, Safe Ruby, has said the club are keeping him against his will. So a real blow-up there. Jamie Carragher's advised everybody to just to, to sort of put a lid on it and uh, and have a, a bit more of a think about that. All right, well, we're going to wrap it up now because Owen Baker from the Brisbane Strikers is waiting for us. We're going to talk about that great victory of theirs over Manly during the week and their quarter-final date coming up next on Box to Box. Box to Box. The Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the king of storage, moving and more. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. And as I said off the top of the show, we love to talk to the giant killers uh, from the NPL when it comes to FFA Cup time. Now, this week it might not have been a giant that they knocked off, but they certainly did with an FFA Cup scalp with uh, the Wellington Phoenix in in the previous round. But to talk to us all about it is one of the youngest uh, gaffers in the, the game in Australia, Owen Baker from the Brisbane Strikers. Welcome to the show, mate. Hi, guys. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So um, what a great run you're having, mate. This um, storied club in the um, the, uh, the NPL, uh, hopefully you know, one day in the uh, not-too-distant future, we'll see uh, uh, back up in the top flight with promotion and relegation you know, in the, yeah. uh, the not-too-far-distant future. But for the, for the right now, uh, it's just a, a, a brilliant story to see your club um, doing what you're doing. Yeah, thank you. It's, you know, the, the cup competition is, you know, as you can see all around the country, everybody's so enthused about it. It's a, it's a fantastic concept. And, you know, we've obviously ourselves had a great little run this year. We've got another home game coming up now against uh, Moreland and uh, it was so close to a final. I, I saw it today. I saw it post off and it said quarter final. So, wow, you know, yeah. like all of a sudden, uh, you know, to realise that so far in this competition, it's it's, it's real special. And to get where you've gotten to, I already mentioned being Wellington Phoenix, but to, to even uh, get to that position to... to um, Forget yeah, about Wellington Phoenix. Yeah. They rolled the silver tails, okay. Manly United. You're right. Well, Edge it, it does have a tendency to, to sort of butt right in in the middle of things. But what I was about to say was that you, you knocked off the cream of Queensland football to get to Wellington before you even got to Manly. That's part of the story that hasn't been fully told. Yeah, we. I mean, we had to face uh, Lions and Gold Coast Knights. You know, obviously... Uh, both above us in the league and top teams, top, top teams. So, you know, the boys deserve a lot of credit. You know, it's five, six, really, really good games, really good performances. But the Cups probably changed our season, you know, like just that distraction early on. I think the first one was the Lions. We went to Lions and, and, and got the win there after extra time and that sort of changed our fortunes in our whole season. Hey, Owen, let's, um, uh, you're talking to a national audience right around Australia who listened to us on NTS News Talk Sport or uh, download our podcast. Um, yep. You're 28 years of age. Um, y- you've been at the Strikers, I think, for eight years. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, next year's number eight. Next so year's number eight. So can yep. you just give us, because uh, it goes way back, you've involved. You've been involved in coaching juniors and, and, and heavily involved in the academy. So you are uh, Brisbane Strikers through and through. It's a, your, your personal story is a fabulous one and the philosophy of Brisbane Strikers in promoting youth um, is commendable. Uh, and, you know, this cup run sort of, uh, f- sort of franks your dividend in the club's approach, but just for everybody right around Australia who's interested in just the approach the strikers take and your personal story, can you just let us know um, um, what, what you did at the start of your journey at uh, Brisbane Strikers and all the way through to head coach now? Uh, yeah, well, I suppose in short, like I, I came to the club as an under-15 coach and uh, you know I did those that age group for two years and before moving up to the under-18s and, and then 
two years with the first team as an assistant coach. It's been great. Like the, the club's had some fabulous coaches over the years and a technical director that's um, supported me and helped me with my growth and, and development. But every year I've watched, obviously, as a junior coach, I've watched year after year, one or two junior players get promoted to the first team. You know, it's ingrained in the club that we, we always try and promote the youth. So it was really nice. You know, there's a lad that played last night. It was actually in my under-15s team, you know, seven years ago. You know, there was another boy that was at, he was at the time under-13s. Under to be able to coach in that game sort of last night and against Wellington and know that there's boys that have come on the, the journey together, it was really special. We sort of had a moment in the changing room before they went out, you know. It was really nice. Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. And, I mean, everyone should note that the club has appointed you uh, for next season as well, 2020. Congratulations. Yeah. That's huge Thank news. Yeah, yeah. And this year, the, also, um, you know, fans should know that, although I think you finished fifth in the NPL in Queensland, is that right? Uh, yes, one league game to go. One league game to go, yeah. But you've had some pretty big wins this year. You've broken some records. I understand there's been... 42 competitive matches, 25 wins, 4 draws. Not a bad record. Fantastic record. And one of the... Or two of those wins. One was a 10-1 win over Souths United. Oh, that was in the FFA Cup, I should say. And yep. But you did beat Sunshine Coast in the NPL Queensland. Um, you beat them 12-1. So you've broken a couple of records there. It must have been... Uh, what was going on that day, Owen? Well, you know, it's, um, I think Sonny Coast will get relegated this year, so yeah. the competition will be a little bit stronger down that end of the table next year, which is, I think is a good thing for the NPL in Queensland. We've had a boy that he's been lucky to play in a team that have given him lots of service, but he's, he's scored a lot of goals. I think that was one of the other records in um, Andy Vangeli. Yeah, he, a lot he of the certainly goals. has. Um, well, take us to, to last night, or so I should say Wednesday night, uh, up in uh, Perry Park, uh, the famous uh, stadium uh, that you guys just yep. you just love uh, love to uh, host uh, interstate teams at. Um, it was a pretty tight game. Manly is uh, a good team. They've got some uh, good structures, well coached. Uh, it was a 62-minute goal from Richardson that uh, got the job done. Just give us a bit of an overview of your thoughts on the game. Yeah, real, real arm wrestle of a game. Um, we knew uh, Manly have got some quality um, forwards um, that were, you know, that if we didn't get close to and, and stop, um, you know, they were going to hurt us. So, I think the first half was pretty coy. I think it was probably deserved to go in at nil nil. I think both teams were edgy. I thought we had a, still had a fair bit of the ball, but then yeah, second half, obviously, once we got the goal, you know, without standing arrogant, I didn't feel like we were going to give it away. But then obviously. Being a cop football, when you know it's 1-0 with still 10 minutes to go, you always know they're going to throw the kitchen sink at it. We had to defend, we had to put our head in places, and you know, like we did start to scramble, which on the night we did. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to the coach, the 28-year-old coach, Owen Baker of the Brisbane Strikers, after a great win in the round of 16 uh, in the uh, the last 48 hours now, you've got the Moreland Zebras coming up um, in about three weeks' time, and, uh, and yep. you get to host them at Perry Park. Uh, what uh, a what a fantastic! I've got to interrupt. What a fantastic <laughs> fixture! Brisbane Strikers yeah. and Moreland Zebras. That's the old yep. Brunswick Juventus. So there's uh, there've been plenty of times in the past that these you two clubs in the old NSL would have crossed swords. Yep. So it's a historic fix, a fixture. It is it is awesome. We can't wait to host them. Um, obviously, uh, our job now is starting to find as much info and work out what to expect from Moreland but we know, we know that the competition is strong down in Victoria and uh, we, we recognise some of the names on the team list already and they've got some quality. It's going to be a great night. You know, we're really looking forward to hosting another game here at Perry Park and hopefully we can get a few more bombs on seats and create a fantastic atmosphere again.
and you're not naive enough to, to not realise that you know early in the competition, the FFA Cup, where you got the Phoenix, uh, that is the time to get the, the big teams. But uh, but when the, the confidence is building, and obviously you don't want to get ahead of yourself because uh, you know it's it's going to be a you know a pretty close run thing against the Zebras, even though you have that slight advantage of, of hosting them. Uh, when you get to that sharp end of the tournament, uh, you know the, the the luck of the draw really has played in your favour to be playing a, a, a club at a similar level. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And you know, I was more um, sort of more nervous going into the Manly game than the, the Wellington game because you know, you know, like you say, you play against the A League teams, and there's really nothing to lose because the expectation is not to get through. You know, so you, you, you're pure. The players are running on adrenaline, whereas you, you know the Manly game, it's a, it's a winnable game. You know, the Moreland game, it's, a, it's it's also a winnable game, but. You have to approach it with the right attitude. That's what we've got to make sure after after the last league game on Saturday is make sure that those three weeks, two and a half, three weeks, get we get the mentality right and the bodies right. Well, Owen, you're entering now um, a difficult time for the NPL clubs because your season ends. Um, mm-hmm. You don't have those regular games. Uh, the match against uh, the Zebras, the Moreland Zebras, is on the 18th of September. You know, you're every chance to win that. Um, so in the event you do win that, you head to a semi-final and you've got to construct a program that keeps the players uh, in training and uh, as sharp as possible. It's not going to be easy once um, you hit that uh, sort of phase where you haven't got your regular games uh, happening uh, on the weekends. No, that's right. And obviously, like you say, you know, the elite teams every week that they train, they're, they're getting a bit fitter and a bit sharper. That's the challenge, but, you know, I'd rather that challenge than sitting at home watching it on Fox Sports. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll come up with a program, we'll do what we can and try and arrange some fixtures, but we're, we're lucky the boys want it, so we'll do, they'll do whatever it takes. Well, mate, brilliant work. You've moved from England in 2006 and 13 years later you're, uh, you're uh, at the, the uh, you know, the sharp end of, um, of uh, a really important tournament in football, um, building a, a, a great name for yourself. So, uh, congratulations, Owen, and we wish you all the best in a few week's time and uh, we uh, will perhaps we'll talk to you again if you if you manage to get through and uh, and see what your plans are uh, you know for maybe a semi-final yeah no I appreciate it thank you guys appreciate the support and uh, yeah I hope we put on another show <laughs> Owen Baker well done uh, the Brisbane Strikers coach after that great win against Manly United in what a great the... story 28 years of age fantastic. I know it's fantastic he's been there 8 years yeah yeah exactly Brisbane Strikers through and through yeah, fantastic so. what a fantastic fixture that's going to be mm. the Zebras and the Strikers can't wait looking forward to it alright stick around because what I'm looking forward to is a chat to Michael Lynch we haven't had Lynchy on no, the program the for a little run. while since the, probably the last time you saw him over there in uh, France for the um, the Women's World Cup so yeah. uh, we're going to talk a bit about the, the new era of the Melbourne victory yeah, interesting to see what he's got to say yeah, yeah. Yeah, it will be. All next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. This could be the most crucial goal of all. Well, it's been a few months since we talked to our good mate Michael Lynch, the Chief Football Writer of The Age, the Sydney Morning Herald, um, sports writer extraordinaire. Michael last saw him when he was over in France. Yeah, we had an opportunity to spend some time together in Montpellier and have a nice meal. Welcome back to the show, Lynchy. Good to be here, and I'd already thank Michael privately, but I just thank him for no, his you don't need to do that, ex- exquisite on air for his exquisite taste in the old town in Montpellier. It was fun, wasn't it? It was good. It was a great event, the Women's World Cup last year. It was uh, it was a bit of an item, wasn't it? Just how yeah. significant that event was in the in the scheme of world football, and another benchmark has been achieved for the women's game, and, and I'm sure you share that view. Oh, certainly. I, you know, I, I'll be the first to admit I have been covering the W League for a few years and the children's games as and when they came along, but I wouldn't have said I was a kind of 
of a deep dive expert in it. Um, I had to become so in a quite a quick period of time. But yeah, it was very enjoyable and also an eye-opener to see. I mean, there's a great gulf, obviously, between the best and the worst, you know. Yeah. The 13-0 for the USA, even the 4-1, you know, Australia, Jamaica, it does show you there is quite a gap of the kind you're no longer getting in the Men's World Cup. Although, people with short memories, I mean, I might be quite old, but I do remember the 1974 World Cup and Yugoslavia being Zaire 9-0 and things like that. There's been some cricket scores in the Men's World Cup in years gone by, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. So, and while the gap has closed in, in men's football uh, over the last 30 to 40 years, I think we can probably expect the same thing in women's football, but maybe in quicker time, because once you're starting from, I won't say a lower base, but you're starting from a cleaner slate. So it's probably a lot easier for nations to take up women's football and get good at it more quickly than they would if they're taking up the men's game and trying to rise up the rankings in men's football. Do do you follow what I mean? We sure do, Lynchy. But uh, to talk about rising up the rankings, I mean, to, to use that segue to the reason we, uh, we've got you on the show this evening, uh, we do want to talk about the Melbourne victory in the future. But uh, but women's football does tie into the first topic of conversation around the victory because uh, the um, the blow-up around the uh, the proposed academy in Footscray for the victory does have a, a, um, a, a real um, connection to, to women's football in that part of town, doesn't it? Well, yeah, they signed a memorandum or an agreement with the Swiss, haven't they, from Maribyrnong to, to use it as a training and playing centre. Um, look, this is an idea or a concept which, you know, I mean, I first wrote about this about five years ago. Mm. I mean, that's how long they've been talking about it. And I think we wrote stories about them getting state government approval about three years ago. So one wonders actually why it has taken so long. But at that time, it just looked like a win-win-win for everyone. Yeah. But it's become, you know, it, it's kind of looks to be one of the most polarising things that's occurring over in that neck of the woods. Oh, I don't live in Footscray. I'm certainly not hipster enough to live in the <laughs> inner west, or at least, at least that portion of the inner west anyway. My beard isn't long enough, you know, but I have got a shave dead. But, uh, but anyway, look, so I can't really say what the kind of social demographic and the strength of feeling might be about walking dogs but it just does seem to me to be a um, very unfortunate circumstance i mean if victory have got state government funding and support um, from victoria university yeah yeah but if this is all going to get too awkward for victory and but they still have got the state government funding why wouldn't they just swing their hook and find a council who does actually want to bank them yeah i think the, yeah uh, you're right it's uh, what it's become though for those people that have followed this issue right around australia become a awful social media slinging match between what's a pretty um, active group of people that are effectively opposed to the development at Footscray Park have been extremely active on social media and at council. There's actually not a lot of them, but uh, they've been very active, very organised. And and, yeah. and on the other side of the fence, the, the people supporting the development and obviously all the uh, reasons that uh, we know uh, about the support for women's football and, and the boys' academy. So it just seems to me their victory's done everything that they you would expect them to have needed to do. Yeah, I mean, can you, you imagine... Uh how uh, the uh, the good 
Thanks, but as a Footscray would have reacted if this was let's give Footscray footy club. Well, that's the, no, I mean, yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, that and would have been not a problem. How many dogs do you want us to kill so we can clear the space for them? Yeah, that's right, and I, I think that's the, where the, uh, the the debate, at least on social media, between the protagonists has got very personal because those sort of things are now being invoked, and it just so happens the Western Bulldogs have been gifted by VicTrack a whole heap of land that they can redevelop their own training facilities and uh, get it up to well, hosting well, well, AFL games again. So it's a, a, a very interesting one, yeah. Well, one doesn't want to condone vitriol and social media bad behaviour, but you can see why some people... I mean, you know, the AFL only have to say jump and the government says how high mm. in terms of the handing over taxpayer funding. How many hundreds of millions is Cardinia Park or GMBH or yeah. what's it called? G- GBH, Green Bodley so. Arms Stadium. They take stadium, isn't it, Edge? GMHBA uh, Stadium, Rob. Uh, it is GMHBA. down there. That's a bit of an in-joke between us. It is a bit of an in-joke, yeah. Now, Michael, before we before we go on, though, this is a box-to-box. We're talking to Michael Lynch, the Chief Football Writer of the Age, amongst his many hats. But we do want to talk about victory, not just their plans for uh, an academy, but victory um, in the uh, the post-Muskie era. So, you know, no one knows the club uh, from a uh, journalistic point of view and observer's point of view um, better than you do uh, Lynchy. So so what's your interpretation of, of the way things have been rolling since Marco Kurtz walked into town? Quietly really I'd say, don't you? I mean it's been the least sort of atmospheric off season I can remember from Victory. I mean they are a club that likes to try and get a, their business done quietly mm. and then announce it but it's all been very low key. Um, the rumour mill hasn't really, you know, trumpeted a lot. Although, I mean, they have signed players, you know, Tim, Tim Hoogland. He should be a, a good get. He's 34. The, the one issue you have with when you sign players like that, and we've seen it all the time, is how, how long is it going to take before his hamstring goes, you know, or a soft tissue injury? Because this is what we see a lot with older foreign players who do come into the A-League. It's nothing to do with their quality or their ability, but I think often they find the distances they have to travel, the period of time they have to spend cooped up on planes, and the hardness of the grounds during the heat of the summer is is often um, conducive to them developing injuries that they may not have had before. So that's the only issue I'd say about signing a guy of that age. His, his playing pedigree looks fine. Um, Robbie, Robbie Cruz, I think, is a fine signing. I've always rated Robbie Cruz, uh, even though the haters are going to hate, and there's certainly plenty of them out there who vilify him all the time. But I, I think Robbie Cruz is a very clever footballer, um, a, a guy who really knows what he's doing. And you do not spend eight years or seven years in the Bundesliga and the second... Bundesliga, you do not get picked by coaches like Van Marwijk and, um, and and all those that have employed him. You do not play at Bayer Leverkusen. You know, um, he finished top four in the Bundesliga when he was there. You're not in that first team squad unless you're a good player. No. So Robbie's got his problems with injury. We've all known that. But, you know, let's be honest, the A-League is several rungs below the Bundesliga. He's not going to have to be 100%. He's not going to have to be at his Bundesliga level, is he? To still look pretty decent in the A-League, I wouldn't have thought. Lynchy, um, Marco Kurtz has a reputation for putting uh, teams through pretty onerous 
pre-seasons, I did note, uh, I saw Lee Broxham on Instagram a little while ago now, say, with a picture with him and his runners and no no boots at training today. So I'm expecting they've been working pretty hard. What are you hearing? Are they, uh, are they getting flogged? Well, they might as well be working hard because they're not playing many games, are they? They got themselves stupidly knocked out of the cup in ridiculous yeah. circumstances. So um, if you're not playing proper competitive games or, or playing a lot of games against quality opposition, I suppose the one thing you can do is work hard on your aerobic fitness. Now, Kurtz's issue is going to have to be to balance it to make sure that they're sharp and fast and ready to go, but not training off in, in racing parlance, you know, uh, when the new season starts. But it can't do them any harm. What are you and expecting it, from Andrew Naboot? I'm expecting quite a lot from Naboot. I think their front three looks really quite well balanced. I mean, I, I thought uh, my, my friends in Sydney argue with me and say Milos Ninkovic is, but I think Ola Toivan is nearly just about the best player in the league, isn't he? You know, I think so. Yeah, class is amazing. Yeah. His, yeah, I mean, my my colleague Dominic Bossi and a few others will say, oh no, Ninkovic, but uh, but um, I, I, I certainly rate Toivan, and so. You've got a player of his quality and finesse and touch and guile and finishing ability. You've got another clever player like Robbie Cruz, who, again, is a decent finisher, uh, certainly at A-League level. Um, and then you've got Naboo, who I think will do a lot of the defending from the front. He'll be the physical um, part of that uh, that trifecta, and um, he can score goals as well. He added that to his game. So um, I, I think he'll have to carry a lot of the workload and do a lot of running for them, but I'm expecting quite a lot. And in terms of style of, of football, uh, um, you know, Kevin Muscat, uh, uh, Marco Kurtz, two very different um, styles of coaches. What, what's the sort of setup that you're expecting to see in terms of, uh, you know, a, uh, well, I think I think Kurtz's Adelaide teams were characterised by their defensive frugality and their organisation, weren't they? Yes. And you'd expect them to be. Well, I don't know um, so much defensive frugality in Adelaide, but certainly their organisation and structure. I think he didn't really have any good finishes, did he? And he still got them to win a cup and make... And nearly make the grand final and knock off Perth uh, in Perth. ...of the grand final without any quality real finishes who were fit all the time. So I think he will get them very structured and organised. And with that front three... If you're structured and organised and stopping the team's play at one end, you, those three will make something happen at the other. So, Michael, um, predictions for the, the upcoming season? I know we're still a few weeks away, but uh, are you seeing a, you know, a big bounce back for, from the victory um, to you know, the, the, sort of the expectations, the heights that we, we normally expect to see them at? Well, they finished third last year, didn't they? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a disastrous end with that semi-final loss, but mm. in the end, they finished third, so they don't actually have to bounce back that far. But yeah, I expect them to be very competitive. I think the A-League, my view is that you basically, if, if everything's right for them, the two Melbournes and the two Sydneys should really be pretty much the top four, shouldn't they? They've got the resources. I mean, Victory have got decent resources there at Amy Park, a very good home ground and a very good crowd base. You know, what about Perth? What about Perth? Last year was their year, I reckon. Mm. First season bounce for new coach. Everything went right for them, except the day it really matters. It'd be interesting to see, won't it? And four in a roll is such a new equation there. But uh, time will wow. tell, time will tell, Michael. All right, let's see. Can Brooklyn Fauna still even play? 
We'll find I mean, out. He played for two and a half years. You know, it was a gamble signing him. He might turn out and be, be the former Oli we remember from three years ago, but he's three years older and he's had a serious injury. And then he's had a year sitting out because of a spat with the club and himself and the previous coach and mm. whatever, you know. I mean, so expecting Bruno to suddenly... Um, you know, Andy Keogh's gone. Castro's another year older, so he must be qualifying for uh, seniors' card soon. Um, you know, uh, I just feel uh, really they've lost the centre half, haven't they? He's gone to the Middle East. Um, the boy who was at Aston Villa, Lowry, Shane mm. Lowry, he's gone, hasn't he? Yeah, 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 so is Davidson. Yeah. Hey, Lynch, we might wrap it up there, my friend. Um, yeah. We um, we'll look forward to um, having a Yandy a little bit closer to the season, mate. And uh, hopefully, we'll you know if, if the victory don't need to bounce back from third, well, first is probably a better spot uh, for them if yeah, they do yeah, happen to. But hopefully, the the whole A League might sort of uh, you know get a bit of a breath of fresh air. But well, Lynch, we'll man. talk to you again real soon, mate. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, that's it. That's the big one, mate. The whole league needs to lift. Exactly. Okay. Michael Lynch, thank you for joining us again. Stick around, because after the break, we've got Dino um, on his Mad Thursday. He's not in the studio, but he's going to join us to have a yarn about the rest of the FFA Cup. Stick around for that on Box to Box. Box to Box. The Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King, the king of storage, moving and more. This could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box. Now, our next guest is normally sitting on the other side of the desk from... Michael and I, but uh, he's got football duties in his technical director capacity, but it is the 250-game veteran of the Victorian Thank Premier League and former Notts County man, Dean Hennessy. How are you, Dino? I'm going okay. How are you, boys? Are you uh, got official duties, or is it officially your Mad Monday? Uh, it's like our Mad Thursday. Mad um, Thursday. So I've only had two beers, so I've been pretty uh, sensible, because I'm going <laughs> to have certain duties, but... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, look, it's been a it's been a tough season for the lads, uh, but everyone's here, which is brilliant, and um, it's the rebuild. You know, we have to we have to bounce back. Yeah, you got to uh, when obviously for listeners, Pasco Vale, who Dean's technical director, they got relegated from the Victorian NPL last weekend, and uh, they were you were a regroup down in NPL one and and fight your way back. No doubt you will. I hope so. Yeah, I think so. I think everyone's very positive about what we do. I think it's just getting the coach in place, uh, which we think if we can da- get that consistency. A lot of players stay, and then we rebuild and add some better players, and we can come bounce back and then build again. Well, Dino, FFA Cup uh, on Wednesday night uh, was um, again great television viewing, and um, obviously the, the the broadcast game uh, and and a good crowd at Campbelltown, uh, out near where Rob used to uh, grow up, or he did grow up, I should say. Um, it was Sydney United one, Western Sydney Wanderers. It was seven. a feisty game. It was a yeah. feisty game. Yeah, yeah, but- there was a bit in there, wasn't there? Yeah, um, goals to Kamau, uh, Georgievsky, who scored two goals, Yaboa, yeah, uh, Bilic, Russell and Majewski. What, what did you think of Majewski? He looked, uh, he, first of all, he had the socks above the knees, something I don't particularly like too much, but he played with a bit of class, didn't he? Yeah, I like Majewski. Yeah, I do, uh, to be fair. And, and look, and even Georgievsky, I mean, I know he's had his moments along the journey, but I think he's quite a consistent individual that uh, does the right thing. I think Yaboa... And Kamal, I, I like both of them. And obviously the the village goal, well, it's, it's one of those things, and it? it's an own goal. So, uh, so look, I think it was unfortunately, especially at 63 minutes, if you look at 
The goal wasn't going in after. I mean, look, it was one, two, three goals after that. I thought uh, Yanni Picardis was a little bit stiff. I mean, uh, you know, I, I know that it looked like there should have been a red card out of all that, but but um, he did have, uh, I'm not sure which um, Wanderers player it was, but he had his arm around his neck, and uh, what are you going to do? You, he sort of thrust his arm out, and uh, I know you can't throw a punch, but um, if someone's choking you, then, geez, uh, you react, well, react the way you react. Uh, this is funny you say that. I mean, this happens even at MPL level, and, you know, what they haven't got there is you know, the video to go back on it straight away. Uh, with a televised game, but um, look, there's lots of things happening in the football pitch, as we all know, and, um, and unfortunately, a lot of times the referee can't really, you know, disguise one one incident between another, and sometimes they just go, well, that's what it is, and all of a sudden changes the game and the dynamics. Mm, sure does. Uh, I mean, that was that was one big game, but but there were there were plenty others um, on on Wednesday night. At, uh, we talked to. Owen Baker and you know Owen well. That was a, that was a, do, a, yeah. a, a good result. Um, admittedly against a side at a similar level, but it was uh, it, it was Tight game. Uh, yeah, yeah, very competitive the whole way through, wasn't it? One Brisbane nil. Strikers one Manly uh, nil. Uh, Richardson scored in the 62nd minute. Yeah, and obviously there was a, again red card very late in in the piece uh, with Halliday. But outside of that, um, look, I think if you look at Owen, I mean he's a young he's a young coach. Um, I actually first met him in about 2017, I think it was, when I took Hume up there to play Brisbane Strikers, where Sean Lane was a coach and Owen was the assistant. And then when Sean left, uh, Owen got the job, which maybe surprised a few, but I thought he was quite smart, quite astute about it. Lovely fella. I mean, you know, if you had a daughter, you most probably go, well, marry, marry him, you know. Mm. That's how nice a guy he is. But he well, you do have a daughter, well. Dean. I do, but... Um, I might just leave that one if out. If you're listening to the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but look, he's, he's, he's doing really, really well. He's a young coach. He gets a lot of support from a lot of people around. And, uh, you know, even even he says, like, I, when I spoke to him this morning, he just said, look, he said, he said I can't just believe what's happened in the last 12, 18 months. I said, mm. but that's football. I mean, he's, he's obviously got a really good rapport with the players. And I think that's a real impact important ingredient if you're going to try and get the best out of those playing groups. He's obviously very talented. We spoke to him uh, earlier in the show and he uh, handled himself superbly, so no doubt about that. So well done to Owen's uh, Brisbane Strikers. Uh, they go through, uh, and we'll, we'll run through the uh, the matches. They obviously play Moorwell and Zebras in a very winnable quarterfinal at home at Perry Park on the 19th of September. Uh, Adelaide Olympic, Dean, one, uh, your old mob, Hume City, three, the the cup uh, experts, Hume City, oh, they yeah, got the job were, done. Well, and it was Delich with, a, Delich with a <laughs> with a hat-trick. Uh, he, yeah, he, Marco got, Delich is not a bad player. He's a good young lad. Um, I thought he took his goals well. I mean, I know a couple were tapping, but you've still got to be in the right spaces to, to actually finish them. Um, and from that, from a human point of view, it's it, look they've been most probably the most prolific. I know Bentley Greens have gone deep a few times, but I think most probably I haven't done all the stats, but most probably Hume might be pipping them now for FFA. FFA. Cup glory because of uh, the amount of times they're getting their, themselves into really good positions now they're in the last eight and um, credit to him that they were good I mean we played them two three weeks ago in which I coached against them and uh, they're a good side I mean they play really good football they're hard to play against um, well they had to come from a goal behind um, uh, Kamara scoring in the 23rd minute he scored an uh, unbelievable individual goal but um, obviously, away from home on the synthetic pitch, something that maybe they're not too used to, but they uh, were able to get the job done. 
No, they did. And uh, look, you, you just, I mean, with the draw as well, they've got, I think, in the next round, the Central Coast Mariners at ABD. Could be really interesting. You know, I mean, we, we all know that Central Coast have obviously got through against Brisbane, which I think Brisbane looked like they've been pretty good through this uh, cup run. But uh, it's going to be interesting. I think there should be a massive crowd in Melbourne for that particular quarter And, Dean, um, if you were watching closely, like I did, I switched, switched over to uh, Adelaide Olympic and Hume City for a little bit when it was 1-1, just to see how, what sort of game it was. If you got bored of the game, you could watch the dog trials in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and, in fact, there was most probably more atmosphere down at the dogs, wasn't there? There was a bit going on. There, was, there wasn't there racing, as I understand. It was training and trials, but they had the mechanical rabbit uh, going around the, uh, the lure, going around the outside <laughs> so, of so the they field. they were going a bit quicker than the boys were. They were going a bit quicker than the boys, but let's, the final game was the All-A-League clash up at Dolphin Stadium, a crowd of over 6,000 people. Uh, a fantastic facility, Dolphin Stadium, for those people that have been there, but it was Brisbane Raw 2, Central Coast Mariners 2 after regular and extra time, and then uh, the penalty shootout, it was 4-2 in favour of Central Coast Mariners and they go through to the quarterfinals and as I did pick up on Twitter, Ned Zellich mm. said Central Coast Mariners winning, making it look like it's almost normal uh, and that's mm. what it was, it was but it, almost but it's good, normal. it's good to see the Mariners after the you know the start of the season that, that they had last year with, uh, with um, um, Usain Bolt and all of the hoopla around that it's a, it's a very different start to, to this 2019-20 um, campaign and uh, you know they're really at that stage of their um, you know their, their history where they they need to be taken seriously now and uh, and hopefully you know this is a, a good insight Dino but with the quarterfinals um, they, they've got uh, Hume City which is obviously a very winnable game but uh, to play at the ABD in a couple of weeks time obviously we'll preview those uh, all those matches but um, but that's not going to be an easy result uh. no it's not no no look at Hume are really really good I mean this this is all going to happen in September. In the middle of the September, anyway. The 17th so, uh, and 18th of September. I mean, are, are we still away? Obviously, on my uh, trip, but certainly we, we can we can talk about that each week, and then we can follow this FFA Cup run for not only well, the team and Central Coast, you know. Dino, let's just run through the matches and get your first indication of what you think, how they might go. But obviously on Tuesday the 17th of September, Hume City uh, at home at ABD Stadium will take on Central Coast Mariners. Um, do you give Hume any chance? I give them every, not every chance because they're at home and they know the, the ground well. But I just think in what would it be now, another two or two and a half weeks more of pre-season training, it's going to be a tough encounter because, you know, the A-League teams now are starting to kick into a different gear. Yeah. But if Hume City play like they can, uh, then there's no reason why this could go right to the wire. It'd be hard to pick. Well, there'll be a good crowd. They're good atmosphere. Oh, so they're a great crowd. Yeah, yeah, there will be. Definitely. And just to um, to impersonate you, Dean, a bit of a tasty All-A-League fixture. Mm. Adelaide United will host Newcastle Jets on Tuesday, the 17th of September, at Cooper Stadium at, in uh, in Hindmarsh in Adelaide. Um, what's your uh, quick thoughts about that one? Jets, yeah, I fancy the Jets' edge. I think, uh, I think there's something about the Jets. And, I mean, we had Ernie on the show the other week. And uh, I just think they've just got a little bit of a different... Uh, different vibe about how they're going about their business so i'm going to back the jets in to win that one and uh wednesday the 18th of september at amy park in melbourne uh this is a team two team all a league clash two teams i think that are in good form melbourne city and western sydney wanderers look hard to pick but i think with melbourne city being at home i think they might just edge it 
I like the Wanderers this year. He's changed formation. They're playing with wingbacks yeah, and yeah. three at the back. So I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, and obviously, yeah, the, the, the last game, which we're all looking forward to, a bit of an old NSL flavour to it, uh, Wednesday, 18th of September at Perry Park in Brisbane. Brisbane Strikers hosting Moreland Zebras, the, the old Juventus. Uh, so it's the old Strikers Juventus, versus yeah. Juventus. Plenty of those games in the old NSL. Yeah, there is. I mean, look, the, the Moreland journey, especially being an MPL one team, and that's obviously where we're going now, as, uh, you know, getting relegated. It's, it just goes to prove if you recruit well, get some really good players and a really good vibe around the club, there's no reason why you can't go forward and, you know, one, get promoted and two, have a really good cup run. So I think it'll be a tough game for the strikers, but I just feel with Brisbane at home and, you know, Owen's on a bit of a run, and they play really well at home. I just think Brisbane might just edge it. Well, Dino, uh, we're looking forward to doing a, a proper preview of all those games uh, when uh, we get a little bit closer, my friend. But uh, you can now uh, officially get off the leash and enjoy um, Mad Thursday and um, Thursday, behave yeah. yourself. And um, I you, know, will. Remember, uh, you, right. know. you know, I always do. Of course, you do, mate. Very responsible man, Dino. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dino. Nice right, to talk to you, boys. Thanks see, very much. Join you, mate. Care. We'll see you next week. See ya. Dude, Hennessy, Al. It's not bad, is he? Dino. He's he fantastic. He wanted a night off the show because he wanted to get on the. On the source. Oh, well, is he entitled to do that every now and then? He's loyal. Absolutely. All right, stick around. Next uh, hour, we have got, uh, obviously, uh, Matildas and Socceroo Central at part of our big, big opening to what is going to be one of the uh, more enjoyable hours of Box to Box as we go through a a long chat with our good mate, Rob Tanner, who uh, has uh, uh, departed from the Leicester Mercury and has joined The Athletic, uh, a brilliant subscription-based journalist website where uh, we are really looking forward to finding out a little bit more about him. So stick around because that is all coming up next on Box to Box. Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage moving Absolutely fantastic! Welcome back to Box to Box second edition news very shortly with Socceroos and Matilda Central. Rob Tanner for an extended chat. Uh, we're looking forward to that. Absolutely. He's no longer with the Leicester Mercury. He's with The Athletic, a uh, subscriber digital uh, website, which we encourage every single one of our listeners to get onto. So we're going to have a chat to Rob about The Athletic and then also uh, about what uh, is going on in Europe. And Michael and I will wrap it up with stoppage time. But Plenty of uh, news on Socceroos and Matildas, Rob. There certainly is. But well, let's get it going. Uh, Socceroos and Matildas Central in the absence of Willem for the Green and Gold Army. Support the Socceroos in their opening World Cup qualifier in Taipei and October, and then support the Young Matildas in their Under-19 Asian Cup in Thailand. Both packages are now available at ggatravel.com.au so get along to GGA Travel. I think we'll be talking to uh, uh, somebody real soon, I reckon, about um, about these these trips, because whilst Taipei might not seem like your sort of bucket list venue, when you, you get to a, an exotic place like that that's probably off the beaten track, you're going to really enjoy a traveller's experience and get to see some great football at the same time, aren't you, Michael? You certainly are. That's going to be a pretty important game, um, Obviously, the Socceroos are only three weeks away from playing in Kuwait in the mm. first of their World Cup qualifiers. We're all looking at that with great anticipation. Have you got the news on uh, what's been going on? Yeah, or do you absolutely. Want me to do it? No, no, no. I've got a Milos Stegenek will play Champions League football for the second straight season after Red Star Belgrade progressed past young boys in their qualifier. That was great news. The second leg ended one all with Red Star progressing on away goals following the three-all aggregate. Unfortunately, though, James Holland won't be joining him after his LNZ Linsk side failed to beat Bruges, going down 3-1 on aggregate. In the Bundesliga, Freiburg sit down on the table after two matches with two wins. 
Brandon Borello was started in both playing 65 and then 86 minutes before going off as one of just four Aussies in a top five European league. And that is a good effort on his behalf, isn't it, Brandon Borello? So uh, hopefully uh, we'll be seeing a lot more of him in the green and gold. Yeah, I think he's a chance to um, to be in squads and push for selection for sure. Tommy, you're just signed with CSKA Sofia in Bulgaria. CSKA are 32-time champions of the Bulgarian First Division. However, they have not won since 2008. So interesting for Tommy um, to be moving to uh, um, a, a club that's um, you know sort of um, not quite at the top tier of football. We've, we've got so many hopes for Tommy that uh, you know, unfortunately. You know, he, he's never quite fulfilled, but, uh, you know, maybe if he gets a bit of a run as a, as a dominant player in a, in a club like that, um, he might get his confidence back. And, yeah, uh, I, look, uh, as much as um, I'm, I want to be respectful to Bulgarian football, but, mm. um, yeah, don't know about that. Okay, you uh, have um, said enough with what you didn't say. And Ange Postapokoglu's uh, Yokohama F Marinos have moved up to third on the J-League table, having thumped Mitch Langerak's Nagoya Grampus 5-1 with 10 matches to play. Yokohama are seven points off top spot. So, you know, we don't see a lot of headlines about Ange Postacoglu these days, but, uh, yeah, he's going pretty well over there, isn't he, Edge? Not only that, 60,000 people at the last game sung happy birthday to him, so he's mm. he's uh, he's pretty popular over there, um, mm. and they're doing really well. Um, obviously, the City Group uh, mm. own a part of that club, and... Uh, you know, he's been playing his usual attacking brand. They're scoring lots of goals mm. um, and third on the table. They're a big club. Yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe one step closer to his dream of uh, a big-time football in Europe. Uh, the Matildas, Hayley Russo, continues to spur Portland Thorns towards the NWSL crown with two assists in their 3-0 win over Sam Kerr's Chicago. Ellie Carpenter also played a big role in the win, but it was Russo who starred, earning a standing ovation as she was substituted. That's a uh, you know a big, big thing for, for Hayley Russo, isn't it, mate? It is. She is um, killing it for Portland. Um, she's, um, I think, you know, Samantha Kerr's getting all the headlines because of the goals she's scoring, but Haley is just absolutely destroying it over there. She's uh, having, she's in the form of her career, and there is a bit of talk that she won't be playing for Brisbane Roar in the W League this year. Uh, there is a bit of talk that that's the case. She's weighing up an offer from another club and in Europe, so that'll be interesting. Obviously, we've seen Emily Gilnick mm. during the week sign for Bayern Munich. Uh, she's uh, leaving Melbourne Victory. So um, interesting moves there in the uh, in the W League. But Haley's killing it in the NWSL. Anybody who's a fan of the Matildas, uh, get onto the NWSL website. You can see all the highlights and just yeah. see what Haley's doing. It's a fantastic job she's uh, she's doing for her club and her country. Excellent. And Steph Catley played a full match for Rain FC as they went down to North Carolina. Good news um, for the Matildas now. On to other news. This is an interesting story. Willem was preparing and, um, and through this on our desk, French referee Clement Turpin has been praised for stopping a match in League One after Nice fans chanted homophobic slurs. The match between Nice and Marseille was halted for over 10 minutes as Nice fans unfurled homophobic banners labelling Marseille an LGBT club. French football authorities are currently cracking down on such behaviour, so uh, Turpin has to be praised for that. Um, Absolutely, yeah. It's just bizarre, the, the, the sort of behaviour of, of fans in the crowd. I mean, you look at Rangers, they've had 3,000 uh, seats blocked off for uh, sectarian chants. Look, it's a strange world out there, Rob, and it's full of all sorts of different weird and wonderful people who often transgress, um, but it's up to people in leadership positions to call it out and uh, get it onto a, a level playing field. I've got one. Can I talk to you about this one? Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually a bit of a worry. 
worry for Australia because China has started to well and truly move forward in not only the rankings but uh, in prospects for qualifying for Qatar, which would be bad news for Australia because we've really they've not really been competitive. But uh, the news is that um, a Brazilian um, who, who played his first game um, for China uh, just a few weeks ago, um, he's uh, basically uh, his name's Elkson. Um, he's the Top, a top scorer in the Chinese Super League in 2013 and 2014. He's now been given Chinese citizenship and they've selected him. Mm-hmm. He's definitely the best player uh, available for them to play in the number nine uh, role. Um, he makes the team a lot better. And there is another Brazilian that they are expecting to be naturalised in the next weeks. And uh, and they could be... Uh, China could be going into this qualification period with two Brazilians. Uh, let's put it this way. An independent commentator said to me, who I had a chat on the phone from China, said um, both these players uh, would be in the top 60 players in Brazil mm. and right. uh, they've never played for their national teams at junior age level. That's yep. why they can do this. And it would be like um, them. They would get a, a game for most teams ranked in the top 20 outside of Brazil. So, it's pretty hard to point the finger at them because, um, you know, most countries in most sports around the world do similar things. I mean, uh, I know we're not a cricket show, but um, we talked uh, with Dino uh, about Jofra Archer uh, playing for, for England in the cricket and the uh, the residential rules being uh, slashed from seven to three years to get him in the side. So if it's uh, it's good enough for the English uh, to do in the uh, in the Ashes, then um, who can blame the Chinese when, um, you know, they're throwing so much money in, um, into um, into football? Yeah, so it's interesting. And, and the other player I'm talking about is Nico Nico Yanaris, who's hmm. um, playing in the Arsenal Academy at the moment. So, yeah, interesting times ahead for a changing landscape in the Chinese national team, which has implications for Australia's qualification path. Absolutely. Well, on to other news. Can uh, I talk about Ellie Roos for a sec, since we're in sort of Socceroo Central? Yeah, well, you, Can it I sounds just like you're about to. What would happen if I said no, Michael? You'd well, still do it anyway, wouldn't I you? I asked. At least I asked. <laughs> Uh, Ollie Roos, um, international fen- friendlies uh, coming coming up uh, Friday the 6th of September, Monday the 9th of September, at, the first one at Wynn Stadium in Wollongong. Uh, so the squad for that has been announced, and the Ollie Roos go into those games, those international friendlies against New Zealand in, in key preparation for their qualifiers in January in Thailand, of which you can attend with the Green and Gold Army if you are interested in having a holiday in Thailand and following the Ollie Roos in that important competition. Mm. Junior soc- junior Socceroos, the Joeys, they're in camp at the moment um, and they're about to leave for uh, Matt Trevor Morgan on this show a couple of weeks ago, I uh, highlighted this, but the under-17 men's national team, the Joeys, key preparation matches, friendlies in their preparation for the under-17 World Cup in Brazil later in October. So we'll be playing against England, the Korea Republic and Brazil, three games in six days in England, the tour, uh, which they're just about to leave. So that squad's been announced, some pretty good names in that one. One all over the place. And the Junior Matildas, so plenty of national team action. The Junior Matildas are in camp in the Gold Coast as they prepare uh, for, for their final hit out internally where Ray Dower will choose the final squad before they head off for their um, Asian Championship, the Under-16 Women's Championship, which is the uh, qualifier for the Under-17 Women's World Cup in Nigeria next year. Don't forget we play Japan, Thailand and Bangladesh in our group. So plenty of action for the national teams unit. And uh, while the review is going on to how they operate, they're in full swing with the junior teams. Okay, well, we're going to wrap it up there because we've got a uh, big chat coming up with uh, Rob T. 
Montana after the break. We want to talk about um, his new gig at um, The Athletic, um, the, the subscriber website with um, some just amazing content, real quality content. If you love your journalism and you love good quality uh, sports writing, then that um, Long really form, is the place to go. detailed analysis. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so stand by because Robbie Tanner from The Athletic, not the Leicester Mercury, is next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you the Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the king of storage, moving and more. This could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, welcome back to Box to Box, and it's been a little while since we spoke to our next guest. Last time we introduced him, as we have done for the past four years, as the chief football writer of the Leicester Mercury. Now he's with The Athletic, one of the world's premier subscription-based sports uh, websites. So uh, great to talk to Rob as he travels back from Newcastle to Leicester, having watched the Foxes uh, knock off uh, Newcastle in the, uh, the Carabao Cup. Welcome back to the show, Rob. Glad to be back. Yeah, it's great to have you back, Rob, and we loved your copy, um, you know, in the last few years since we first uh, met um, in that, that mighty season of 2015-16. But just tell us a little bit about The Athletic and uh, and, and what prompted you to, to move from uh, from writing for, uh, you know, a, a traditional newspaper, mate. Uh, well, first of all, uh, I've been covering Leicester City for the Mercury for a decade, and uh, I've seen a lot of changes in the industry, and uh, most notably the, the move towards digital publishing and... Um, the company that owns the Leicester Mercury, the Trinity Mirror Group, they've got a certain idea of how that should be done. Obviously, the decline of uh, newspaper sales as people consume their news in, in different ways has had a big impact. And uh, but they've gone for more short form of writing, lots of adverts. But the Athletic is completely different. It was established in America mm-hmm. uh, in 2016. Our city were winning the title, ironically, yeah. and it's a subscription service. And they've invested heavily in journalism, uh, trying to get the top writers who are local in their past so they know their clubs they know their readership inside out and uh, bring them on board and uh, the emphasis is on the, the quality in-depth read the more um, analysis uh, based journalism and it's proved quite successful and uh, so they've come over and they've recruited the top guy in journalism in the, in the uk we've got some big names on board like ollie cave and the times and we've got mm, some mm. great guys from daddy man and the guardian as well on board but also they've targeted the local journalists like myself to cover each of the teams in depth. So uh, after 10 years, it was time for a change, and this is more sort of the journalism that I like to do. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, and you sent me an article uh, uh, this afternoon um, that for any of the uh, the Aussie football fans who are keen, Andy Naylor wrote um, about Aaron Moy and and Matty Ryan uh, uh, headlined. It's mind blowing to go from school friends to Premier League teammates. Brighton's Aussie duo go way back. So get a hold of the Athletic if you can. Really encourage to uh, all of our listeners to to subscribe to the website and uh, and uh, and really enjoy some good quality reading and uh, and all of uh, of Rob's copy, but. Rob, um, some of the stories that are coming out as you travel uh, on the uh, the East Coast line back from Newcastle to uh, to Tamworth, uh, mate. The uh, the sad story of Berry being booted out of the competition. Uh, that, uh, it's it's just one of the the real gut wrenching stories. And we listened to some some shocking uh, commentary from the the former owner Steve Dale, who just doesn't seem to have a heart. Yes, it is. It's a tragic tale, really. I mean, we haven't had a, a club kicked out of the EFL. 1992 and mate that were um, not I mean and this has been coming for a while there's been so many clubs that have been on the brink of this and they've just been rescued and for that, uh, that's the moment like Bolton Wanderers I think but for Barry there was no reprieve for them yeah. and uh, it should be a stark uh, wake up call for everybody involved in the NFL I mean the drive to be uh, successful nowadays overcomes all logic sometimes in terms of the finances of football clubs and uh, they spend money they haven't got and they've been 
numerous ownerships as well, which have been dubious, to say the least. Certainly another one. It looks like it's been a mess for a while, though, but it certainly hasn't been handled particularly well. And now, I think it's hard to try and explain. They are the heart and soul, and uh, they bring everybody together. I mean, there's nothing like community mm. together and uniting them. And now Berry have lost their club. They're those fans who been going for generations, their grandfathers and their fathers and now their sons and their, and their kids, you know, they can't go anymore. So it's uh, heartbreaking for them, but it should be a way to call for the EFL now. They've really got to bring in some more stringent checks on ownerships of football clubs. I mean, they're sitting from person at the moment, not fit for purpose, it just seems to be, can they show that they've just got some money or they can potentially get some money, but um, there's no more uh, rigorous than that. Rob, just for um, Australian followers who are listening to our uh, show, what happens to Berry now? Uh, can they um, be reconstituted in any way at the bottom of the English football pyramid? What happens to them? Well, they can appeal, uh, but they've got to obviously show that they've got the finances, which they haven't been able to show so far, to fulfil their commitment. There'll be one less relegation spot from League One now. I think the option for Berry really is reforming lower down in the pyramid. I've seen non-league football uh, starting again under a different name. It's happened before and uh, trying to climb that ladder again. And, uh, I mean, those Berry fans that lost their club, they'll be there. They'll be there for the start, the rebirth of a new club. Hopefully the local people will own it. Uh, we've seen a lot more fans trust, fan owned quite well at Portland. In the ilk of uh, MK Don style? Yeah, you know, where fans can buy shares and, and get on board and um, have some sort of say in the running of the club. And a lot of these guys have come in, they don't do it for the right reasons. They do it just to try and get a bit of kudos on themselves. And they don't realise, you know, football can be a drag on the finance, not uh, like any other business. And uh, sometimes they look up my way. Hope they have a new club to follow. It might not be the same club, but it might be in essence if the fans are still there. Is this the great British railway journey, according to Rob Tanner? Have you got a cup of tea and a cucumber and cheese sandwich from the, uh, from the canteen on this train, Rob? come up and down the aisles and uh, offer you refreshments if you, if you wish, but uh, no, I, I haven't got a cucumber sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I loved my trip from um, from London um, up to uh, to Manchester via Wolverhampton last year. It was a fantastic trip. I really enjoyed it, uh, just to sort of gazing out over the uh, the countryside, mate. But uh, hey, Rob, um, Bolton saved. Um, that really was at the eleventh hour, uh, and and a hell of a a lot of a relief for, for Bolton supporters. Yeah, and let's hope this isn't another false dawn because yeah. they've been in this situation time and time again. And then various people come in and it looks like they've been saved and then they get themselves in a mess again. There's massive problems for that football club. They don't own hardly anything now. They've got no assets whatsoever. I mean, they haven't got a team. They're putting out youngsters um, at the moment. They've got to fulfil the fixtures. There was a suggestion that they could bring in seven, eight, nine players now, first team senior players, that can come in and, and help the situation. Because I think the last time I, I read, they had two senior players and they were just playing the, the new team. And there's a lot of issues and welfare issues and on that as well. You know, bringing in those youngsters and putting a lot of pressure on them when they're so um, young and uh, just learning the way in the business. So hopefully, um, hopefully this won't be that another one of those false storms. Exactly. Well, look, Rob, we're going to throw to a break and we'll come back and uh, we'll get stuck right into the Premier League. So stick around as Rob uh, travels back home um, and uh, we will join him after this break on Box to Box. Box to Box. For Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the king of storage, moving and more. This could be the most crucial goal. Yes, we're back again on Box to Box with Rob Tanner on the train, heading back home from the uh, 
the uh, St James's Park clash where Leicester knocked off uh, Newcastle in the Carabao Cup. Now, Rob, um, the Premier League, it, it's um, it started uh, just a, over a, well, three weeks ago, but uh, we've already had the first uh, banana peel result for uh, the uh, the title favourites and, and given Liverpool uh, uh, just that little bit of a, an opportunity to, to get their nose in front. So I don't think uh, anyone really expected that um, that Manchester City would have uh, would have lost this po- points this early in the season. They lost those points. They dropped those points at, uh, against Tottenham at home, and uh, it was a very controversial one because it was VAR, a marginal handball that ruled out the winner for them. And uh, it's been dominated by VAR so far this season with so many decisions going against. It seems to be so many goals are being ruled out now. Goals being scored, and fans don't know whether to celebrate the. Uh, the players certainly are still celebrating, but then uh, their celebrations are being cut short. So it's a, it's a real issue for a 30 days in VAR, but it looks like it's dominating the start of the But once you take the um, you know the lid off Pandora's box, you, you just can't go back. And uh, you know it's uh, um, it's unfortunate, but you know we've seen it in in, in every organised sport around the world that uh, that uh, what do you do once the technology proves to the spectator at home uh, on the TV that a decision's wrong that uh, um, it, it just it has to be dealt with so it, it really seems to be a, a matter of just uh, just get used to it doesn't it Rob? Yeah I think so we're just finding uh, off feet with it really what it's going to be good for what it isn't going to be good for I mean they changed the handball rule so it's not VAR actually it's the handball rule hmm. itself which is the issue whether it's intentional or not but it's like that and it leads to a goal that goal has to be ruled out it seems the VAR now is being used for looking at reasons to disallow goals and that's not adding to the um, spectator experience inside stadium and they're not being uh, kept abreast of what's being looked at either we have no idea we just see uh, VAR being checked on our large screen and uh, and the fans are really in the dark about what is being looked at Look on to more, um, more important football matters. So, you know, we are only three games into the season. Liverpool um, undefeated. Um, Jurgen Klopp uh, seems to have, uh, have picked up where, where he's left off. And, uh, you know, a couple of really, really um, strong results uh, to, to get the season started. But um, the, um, the injuries that they've already been um, having to deal with, with, uh, with Alisson um, knocked off. And Adrian, geez, he's got a clangering in him as a, as a, as a substitute goal keeper, doesn't he? Oh yeah, I mean that's a big loss for them, that's the way they play I mean, modern goalkeepers are expected to play like outfit players as well and uh, he's one of the best ones at it, I mean the way that he plays, uh, so that was a, a blow for them, but uh, it looks like the start of the season is carrying on the same as uh, a lot of season with the Liverpool leading way and they look like head and shoulders above the rest in the, in the division everybody else is playing catch up and, and they're all having issues, Chelsea and Arsenal Rob, um, back to your own beat. Leicester City started the season well, one win and two draws. Um, they're up to uh, uh, fourth spot on the table, I should say. Yeah, fourth spot on the table with five points and a good win over Sheffield United, albeit the promoted team away from home. Um, just give us a bit of a rundown on the start of the season and what you're expecting uh, over the next few weeks for the team that you cover on the beat, Leicester City. Well, it's been solid, but they're not firing all cylinders yet. It's going to take a while for the likes of Ayosi Perez, Medin. I like that the other signing, Bells and Lads, Dennis Pratt, and you see Premier League has come from Italian football, so it's a very, very different pace and intensity than the English game. So, um, besides still trying to get their feet at the moment, I think Rogers is still trying to find the, the magic formula, but there's no question there's lots of potential in this side. Uh, they could have a good season. They're targeting the top straight. But no side uh, outside the six has been able to do that since Leicester won the title in 2016. So it's a, it's a tall order 
but made a solid start. So uh, it has been a, a tough start for them, but they've come through so far. And again, they showed their character last night. I think what we'll do is we'll we'll wrap it up and say farewell and say thank you for for joining us again uh, um, on um, on one of our uh, um, more uh, unorthodox uh, chats as uh, as you uh, ride the train back home, mate. So uh, we wish you all the best with um, with uh, your new gig at um, at the Athletic, and uh, uh, we've got our 200th episode coming up in a few weeks' time on the 19th of, of uh, September. So, mate, we might book you in for that because I don't think we could have celebrate such a historic milestone for us at least without uh, the great. Rob Tanner appearing with us. That's great. Thank you very much. Good on you, Rob. Rob Tanner from The Athletic. Uh, well, we're going to have an extended version of stoppage time now, aren't we, Michael? We've got a, a, quite a few things to get through. and, uh, well, and we'll, we'll sort of go back over Europe, won't we? Premier League Championship. Um, yeah, and yeah. we'll uh, go through some scores and results and uh, we'll get our views on a few things. But, uh, yeah, um, interesting comments that Rob on, that they were a bit patchy, but interesting comments on Leicester. I think they've had a great start to the season. Yeah, yeah I think they have. And Brendan Rodgers, um, you know, is a, is a quality coach with a, an amazing pedigree. I mean, but for... Uh, uh, a stumble. Uh, he he would have been a you know a, a Premier League winning um, coach, wouldn't he? And uh, um, if it hadn't have been for um, for Steven Gerrard sort of uh, tripping over in the, the the middle of the ground at Anfield on that fateful day all those years oh, ago. Oh, I knew you'd bring that up. Oh, well, mate, who could ever forget it? All right, well, uh, an extended edition of Stoppage Time next. Stick around on Box to Box. Box to Box. For Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, welcome back to Box to Box, and in the first, in a first for Box to Box, the first time in our nearly 200 episode history, we're not going to have stoppage time. We're going to have extra time. This <laughs> is like uh, extra extra time, though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> exactly, because if you've been listening to all of the shows so far, you would have noticed that um, that we had intended to talk to our good mate Rob Tanner for a little bit longer. But uh, well, it was my brainchild. I, I was advised I against did, it. Did I not um, say to you this is not going to work out so you, well? You on did. The train. <laughs> you, you did. And even Rob said, "You sure you want to do it?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, Rob, it'll work out." Let's the have a bit of The great British railway journey with Rob Tanner was like, Shh. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I, well, I was just thinking it was going to be lovely atmosphere, and you'd have the rattling of the track and then, you know, you'd hear some steam and all that sort of stuff. There you go. That was what I had, going through some tunnels and Rob would be chinking the china and all that sort of stuff. But <laughs> anyway. the china. <laughs> we, yeah. well, Down we'll, Navy style. Exactly. Well, we had a bit of fun. But what we did, we didn't quite get through uh, as much of the Premier League as we wanted to. So we've got a few things to get through. So why don't we pick it up where we left it off anyway, Edge, and, uh, yeah. and get back into the Premier League. So we're three rounds into the competition and um, I'm a, a very happy Liverpool fan, um, even happier because... Um, uh, Manchester City, as we did discuss with Rob, uh, thanks to the VAR um, ruling, uh, dropped some points. Um, so uh, what, what's your take on, on what we've seen so far? The VAR? Oh, well, both. The VAR and probably more importantly, well, we, the, the competition is, is it's just starting to sort well, of find yeah, a bit of its feet. OK, we, we look at the table. Obviously, Liverpool undefeated at the top of the table with nine points. We have Manchester City in second spot, seven points, two wins and a draw. Interestingly, Arsenal, two wins and a loss, six points. And then Leicester in fourth spot um, with five points. Um, it's an amazing that there's that sort of stretch of points in the f- top. Well, you look at all four those positions. Teams between, yeah. Every team between fifth and fourteenth 
has had a win, a draw, and That's a right. loss. So, so um, obviously Manchester United in fifth spot. Heaps of teams on four points, as you mentioned. Um, we won't go through them all, but uh, down the bottom, Watford with three wins and three losses and a goal difference of negative six with zero points. I didn't predict that mm. at the start of the season. They've got some work to do. But um, I, I just special mentions to, I think I think Leicester started the season well. I think Brighton's mm-hmm. been doing okay. I think Sheffield United, yep. the promoted club. Crystal been Palace. Over, yeah, Crystal Palace is doing okay. Um, Chelsea's got some work to do. And I think under pressure is obviously uh, Newcastle, Southampton, Norwich and Aston Villa, Wolverhampton. Um, but... It's only early days. Why don't we have a look at just just quickly last week's last week's scores? Aston Villa, uh, they got a win against Everton two 0 at home. It was uh, it was pretty much party party central. At, yeah, back there where they belong at, at Villa Park. Right, in, at Villa in Park, the it was happening. Uh, a really good game, a really entertaining game between Norwich and Chelsea. Norwich two, Chelsea three. And your favourite player, Timu Puki, um, got on the uh, score sheet again. Yeah, he's killing it at the top of the. Uh, I was pleased to see that Tammy Abraham got a brace yeah, as well yeah. after some of the offensive uh, abuse that he copped after. Oh, you, you are absolutely correct there, Rob. Um, Brighton, they went down uh, 2-0 to Southampton in what's a, a local derby, obviously. Uh, Manchester United won, Crystal Palace 2. That was the shock. Uh, Crystal Palace getting a late winner away from home. First time in well, life. That, that, no, no, that's that? the very first time they've beaten Manchester United at Old Trafford in the history yeah. of the modern Premier League. Amazing. And did yeah. you see Daniel James's goal? It looked like it in the 89th minute mark. He'd, he'd got the, um, you know, split the points, but um, but Van Arnold... Wasn't to be. Uh, yeah. No, it was uh, like... It, it, it was a shocking... Do you reckon uh, the Hodgesaurus was happy? Oh, he was over the moon, but he just never, he never looks happy. But but David De Gea, um, that, that howler of his that, that let that um, go-ahead goal in for, for Palace, I mean, um, look, he, he he's... he's just showing signs that he's he's um he's sort of um you know uh, not at the peak of his game anymore, isn't he? That's right. That, that is correct. Uh, Sheffield United, the Blades won. Uh, Leicester City two was a good win by Leicester on the road. Rob uh, was mentioning earlier that he didn't think Leicester had really um, hit full steam yet. Mm. That they uh, they they still had a lot of improvement in them. So that's an interesting comment. Watford won. West Ham three. Who would have thought West Ham would have won that match after the start they well, had? Particularly, I mean, Vicarage Road's been a bit of a fortress in recent years, has, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it has, uh, yeah, for them to to um to your mob beat my mob three one Liverpool three Arsenal one. Oh, that one. was fantastic, and they really most. You would have watched he that. Was, oh, seriously, oh, yeah, I did. It was one of those ones where you, you know, you sort of um on the edge of your seat because you you just don't know. Oh no, I rate you know Emery. I think he's uh you know since um the days of um you know Arsene Wenger, whether you know the the sort of the mothballs seem to be uh, rolling through the corridors of Arsenal and uh, and they just seem to be churning out the same performance. The mothballs running through. The corridor of Arsenal. Yeah, they were, weren't they? I'll let you that know. go through to the key. Well, they, well, come on, admit it. They had declined. Um, and, they had, uh, yes, they had. And, and so it's good to see the Gunners back uh, up and about, at least competitive. Bournemouth won Manchester City 3. It was a pretty comfortable win uh, on the road for Manchester City. But this is the result. Yeah, it, it, it was, but, um, but you know, the... Um, the the fact that um, that it was two one until you know sort of midway through the second half, I, I thought um, uh, Bournemouth, uh, you know, the Cherries weren't too bad. Uh, Tottenham nil, mm. Newcastle one. So the yeah. Toon Army was in full voice in London. You wouldn't have predicted that one, especially with Newcastle coming no. up, and they did pinch it. Tottenham were all over them, but that is a problem result. But to hold on to that result after you know Jolington scored, uh, you know, on the 27 yep. minute mark, to hold on to that result, uh, they were bombarded mm. um, late, and, uh, and and you have to you have to hand it to, to Newcastle for you know a pretty Steve Bruce. Uh, you know he knows he, what he's uh, doing, despite the fact that you think he's a failed crime novelist. <laughs> well, I think. 
think he is. But uh, he's. I think um, he's a good football coach. As, as, a, as a crime novelist, he's had plenty he practice. A good football coach, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wolverhampton won. Uh, Burnley won. Uh, they shared the points. At well, your favourite, very team. lucky rally. Jimenez, um, the 97 minutes in after um, a, uh, a, a an extended, I think it was a, was it an injury and uh, and VAR and a whole bunch of different things mm. late in the game. Uh, let's look ahead to this weekend's matches. Uh, Friday night game, uh, interesting. Southampton and Manchester United. That's going to be an interesting fi- fixture. Southampton, we know they're not the uh, the best team going around the Premier League, but they're not the worst. And uh, looking forward to that. Then on Saturday. Uh, Chelsea are at home to Sheffield United, uh, Crystal Palace at home to Aston Villa, Leicester at home to Bournemouth, so a good opportunity for Leicester to entrench themselves in the top four, Manchester City at home to Brighton, uh, our boys Matt Ryan and Aaron Moy will have their work cut out, Aaron Moy got a full game in the League Cup during the week, Brighton had a win in that competition, uh, Newcastle are at home to Watford, that'll be an interesting game, West Ham at home to Norwich, we'll see if Timu Piki can continue his goal-scoring run. Burnley host Liverpool. Uh, always difficult going to Turf Moor. So I uh, don't know how your mob will go up there, but you would expect them to win. Mm-hmm. Everton are hosting Wolves in probably uh, a very interesting, as Dean would say, tasty fixture. And then obviously um, the big one, the North London derby on Monday. Uh, Arsenal... Uh, on Sunday, I should say, Arsenal uh, at home at Emirates uh, against Tottenham. So um, that, considering where both uh, those clubs are at, that's a uh, the loser of that game. If if there is a result of a loss, we'll have some hard uh, well, listening to a hard, bit thing, of, um, hard things looking at themselves. Talk sporters uh, have a good hard look at themselves, Rob. Yeah, during the week, um, Maurizio Pochettino doesn't seem to be as happy a camper um, as he as he um, no, has he, been over recent no, years. No, you know, he's not, uh, Christian yeah. Eriksen's on the outer. He won't sign the new contract. Um, he doesn't pick him in the team, but then brings him on, uh, you know, as a saviour late in the game. It sort of, it just seems to be a bit of uncertainty. Um, uh, down Things at not travelling well at White Island. The stadium's magnificent. Mm. Uh, the team at the moment, uh, not. Uh, travelling like they did at the end of the last yeah. season. No question about that. Absolutely. Hey, um, do we, we want to talk a little bit of uh, championship? Well, before do we that? do, I want to talk a little bit about Chemist ah, Warehouse. because a good idea. Remember, um, it is not too late to get involved in that Rexona competition, which uh, ends in a couple of days' time. So if um, if you want to get on board, get on to the Chemist Warehouse website and uh, and enter the Rexona competition where you can go to Stanford Bridge with a friend. And uh, it's a pretty easy competition to enter. Just... Uh, uh, you type into chemistwarehouse.com.au and, and enter for your chance to go to Stanford Bridge. It's an amazing stadium, amazing atmosphere, and if you've never been to the Premier League, that is the place to go. So get along and support our friends at Chemist Warehouse and Rexona. Absolutely. Go and buy your fill of Rexona and get in involved in that competition to see Chelsea live in London. Fantastic stuff. Uh, the Championship, Rob, why don't we just go through the ladder mm. after five rounds? Interestingly enough, we've got two teams at the top of the table with four wins and uh, and one draw. That's Leeds and Swansea City, 13 points. Uh, believe it or not, Charlton are in third spot with three wins and two draws. They're yet to be beaten. They're, they have 11 points. Uh, Bristol City, our own Bailey Wright's team, he's been out with a quad injury, so he hasn't uh, figured in the action this year so far, but they have 10 points in fourth spot. Uh, Fulham and Preston and Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield era. Wednesday, I'm, I'm liking the West idea Bromwich Albion, nine points. Yeah. yeah, so Mas- Massimo Luongo, he got a full game during the week in the Caribou Cup, in the League Cup. Uh, in a win. Uh, in a win, that's right. So um, 
they're um, they're all doing well. So those, just to repeat, Leeds, Swansea, Charlton, Bristol, Fulham and Preston in the top six. Sheffield Wednesday, uh, West Bromwich, Albion uh, with nine points. Nottingham Forest in ninth spot on the table. Our mate John Beckett, they had a big win over Derby, mm. believe it or not, in the League Cup. I think that was uh, that was right. So Dean's not here to cop that from John. Um, John sent me a message saying, can I please mention that okay. at least three times. Uh, not in Forest, but they're ninth in the championship with eight points, along with Millwall. Uh, and then we have Reading, QPR, Blackburn, Cardiff, Birmingham. Well, what about seven the bottom points. end? I mean, there's Derby, some real worrying six points. For, uh... Middlesbrough, five points. Luton, Brentford, Hull and Barnsley, four points. And then down the bottom, Wigan, three points. Huddersfield and Stoke, one point each. Well, what, what's the, the one likelihood point of, of from uh, five games. the double drop? I mean, that's um, you know, that's the worst nightmare for, for every club. Well, Huddersfield's got some work to do, haven't they? Yeah, there's no question about that. Uh, look, um, let's hope that uh, we Jackson Irvine's been going really well for Hull. We hope that Aaron Moy, uh, sorry, not Aaron Moy, we hope that, that Massimo Luongo gets in the starting lineup this week for... Sheffield Wednesday, uh, no question about that. Why don't we have a quick look at the fixtures, Rob? Um, let's pick the eyes out of them. Uh, Cardiff uh, at home to Fulham, uh, Bristol City at home to Middlesbrough, uh, Millwall at home to Hull. So Jackson Irvine, uh, they've got their uh, work cut out down in London. Wigan, uh, they're hosting Barnsley. Leeds and Swansea, top of the table clash. That's obviously match of the round at Allen Road. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday host. QPR, so, so if Massimo, club yeah, if Massimo gets a start, it'll be against his old club. Nottingham Forest are hosting Preston. Burnham, have Burn- you ever been to Hillsborough? Uh, yes, I have been to Hillsborough. Uh, I yeah. just hear some, I mean, for, for all oh, of the... fantastic you know, the, the, well, the tragic heavily, sort of, heavily um, renovated Hillsborough. after the incident, yeah. obviously. But, but uh, yeah, that, Pete, the, you hear of what an amazing stadium and um, it is from a... Both stadiums, uh, Bramall Lane and Hillsborough in, uh, in Sheffield, are uh, incredible... Uh, architectural feats and also just mm. imposing stadiums and mm. and the atmospheres are very very uh, very very strong you know so um, they're great places as is St Andrews where Birmingham play and they host Stoke so that last chance already for Stoke they've got to get uh, a win out of this game good opportunity for Birmingham to climb up a couple of spots in the ladder if they get a win Lutner at home to Huddersfield West Bromwich Albion at home to Blackburn Reading host Charlton and Brentford host Derby County. You'd expect Derby uh, Dean's Mob to get the win there. So that's the championship. Rob, I just wanted to talk to you about a few other things, if I could, Mm -hmm. just to get your views on this. Um, uh, Adam Taggart, um, he is going from strength to strength. Well, we all know that Willem um, is the president of the Adam Taggart fan club, and um, and it seems for good reason that uh, he's uh, a young man who uh, is at the absolute peak of his form, and uh, uh, where can it go? Where can it go for him, Edge? Well, well, on the back of his form, Sue Wing Blue Wings are doing really well, but um, uh, he's putting his secret down to barbecued eel. Mm. He's fallen in love with the Korean barbecued eel. That's what he's I saying. I like Korean food. It's good. But they say uh, there's an old saying in Asian football, if you can score goals in the K-League, you can score them anywhere in Asia. Adam's um, shown that he certainly can do that. And um, and for the sake of Australian football leagues, he could be leading the charge in Australia's first um, match in the uh, World Cup qualifiers against Kuwait in about 20 days' time. Um, he, look, I'm with Willem on this one. He's converted me big time. Um, Adam Taggart is well and truly... He's What's he managed? 16 goals in 23 games. So, Edge, I'm going to ask you a question. So, when when uh, we had the, the golden era of, uh, of Australian players... Uh, you know, uh, that led to that, you know, ultimate breakthrough into the World Cup in uh, in 2006. 
the the great Australian players were all playing in the top flight in in Europe. So has the dynamic shifted for uh, for Australia in that uh, our expectations um, maybe are are, um, are still sort of stuck in in that period ten years ago. Uh, players like Adam Taggart, um, who who are who are doing really good things in Asia. Um, are, are maybe the you know that golden era of the modern era? Am I making a prediction too soon? Is it is it possible that that's the case? Yeah, I think you are. Um, obviously, um, back in those days, you know, around 2006 or the period. I'm not making a direct comparison no, between the, the quality of the players. I'm 2000 saying, to 2006. Are some of our best players in you know pl- playing in Asia now? Well, they are. Yeah, absolutely. There's no. no I think I think there is um, well and truly. Uh, a focus in, in Asia, and, and our players like Adam Taggart can test their skills in in a competition that's better than the A-League. Uh, the K-League is better than the A-League. There's no question about that. Um, I've got another linkage there. When obviously, Adam Taggart plays in the K-League. They're allowed to have three international players or three visa players. Mm. There was a story this week that um, it's been widely socialised you know, or circulated that there's been quite a bit of a discussion amongst the A-League clubs to increase the number of visa holders, and it's created uh, quite a bit of debate within circles. If Dean was here, he'd be having a heart attack. Mm. You know, there's been a range of proposals in terms of um, arrangements around the visa players, and, you, you know, um, I think at the moment, obviously, there's five visa spots available. When uh, Australian A-League teams participate in the Asian Champions League, they have to um, reduce that to three. They've got to name their three visa players. Um, but the new independent body that's going to be running the A-League is hell-bent on mm. raising the level of appeal, and they think that um, there's potentially an opportunity to have seven. Mm. Yes, n- not five, mm. not six, but seven imports when the league gets to 14 teams, which could be as early as 2023 if their expansion okay. plans come to fruition. I think that's crazy. Um, the PFA came out, uh, John Didalitza very rarely does this, but it, they put together a little video on his thoughts and he uh, quite eloquently described the impact of seven visa players, what that would mean in terms of opportunities for local players mm. um, and, and the impact um, on the A-League standards, um, questioning the quality of the visa players mm. and how that would go down in Asia, in particular our relationships there. So you know Dean's view. Dean's view is is whatever the AFC decide, we need to go with mm. three international players, um, so we're consistent with their rules yeah. and we're providing opportunities. What do you think? I think right now where Australian football's at with uh, you know the, um, the 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 junior levels, um, you know, at a particularly difficult juncture in in, in history, that if we um, make decisions that 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 um, prevent opportunity for those young players to, to step up to the next level, um, then um, then we'll pay for it in the long term. That That's what I think. Now, before we go, Edge, I've got to do something else. What's that? I've got to talk about Storage King. Oh, okay. I do. Because I want to talk about selling your home. With potential buyers, they need to think and know that they can easily fit all their belongings into your home when they're wandering about at an open house. And that's why it's important to declutter. So it looks like there's lots of space in your home. And the only place to do that is 
the only way to do that is to get rid of lot of your clutter and the place to do that is with Storage King. So if you need to get your belongings out of your house, you'll always find space at Storage King, which means Storage King could help make you sell your home a lot quicker and a lot easier. Call 1-800-STORAGE or go to storageking.com.au to find your nearest store. Storage King, they are the kings of storage, moving and more. Absolutely, they are the kings of storage, movies and more. And I'll tell you, Mike, who needs some storage is these uh, is Remo Nogarado and his uh, and his cohort, which uh, is the National Second Division Working Group. Mm. They've um, uh, had a, a fairly significant uh, period of time over recent uh, times, and uh, recently the committee, which includes uh, they've expanded their committee. Uh, Remo Nogarado said the objective of the committee was to commence laying out the framework for the competition, which mm-hmm. would grow football's footprint, uh, a national second division, and eventually um, we all hope promotion and relegation between the A League back to mm-hmm. uh, the B League, or what Dean wants to call the championship. Um, so there's been some people added to that. The committee now includes Women's Football Council committee member Sue Crow, Football Federation South Australia President Sam. Uh, Chicharello, uh, Football Victoria President Kim Ontaliadoris, Newcastle Jets CEO Laurie McKinnon. That's a good a- mm. addition to that uh, that that uh, group of people. PFA Chair, uh, Chief Executive John Delitzer, and the AF- AAFC Chairman Nick Galatis, um, the Association of Australian Football Club Treasurer Christo Patson. They're the people that have been added to the committee as they prepare mm. the memorandum or the information memorandum. That- so, Michael, what's your prediction on two things? Okay, so first of all, promotion and relegation. And obviously the championship or the second division. What year, I guess, is the question I'm asking you. Will we see that? On the first one, promotion and relegation, I think the A-League clubs will resist it for as long as they can uh, because obviously it means one of their one of their uh, members being, uh, you know, financially put into great difficulty by being relegated to a second division nobody knows much about. So I think that's many, many, many years away. Mm-hmm. Um, I might be wrong, but that's my current view. A decade? Yeah. More. More, maybe, yeah. Uh, in terms of a second division, um, I think that is pretty close, yeah. I think that's maybe two years away. But I do think it will be uh, what I colloquially call NPL on planes. It'll, it'll be effectively um, the leading NPL clubs, maybe some new clubs, but I'd say NPL mostly... NPL on planes. Yeah, so that's Heidelberg, Manly, you know, Sydney United, Marconi, South Melbourne. I'm missing something here. What's, where's the planes bit coming in? Well, at the moment, it's uh, the NPL is NPL Victoria or NPL New South Wales. Mm. So the second division will be, in, it'll just be those NPL teams, but they'll be getting on planes to play each other in a regular base, basis. So it won't, mm-hmm. the, the, the contest around the football match won't look too uh, dissimilar to what we see now in the NPL. Heidelberg will play at Heidelberg. Okay. Yeah. You know, Sydney Olympic will play at... Uh, right, well, I'm going to put that into the time capsule. Yeah, and, and on uh, our box-to-box episode 800, I'll mm. bring it up. But what we'll have is a structure for a second division mm. and probably commitments by some of these NPL clubs to spend more money. And um, um, and, and yeah, as we've already discussed, you know, there's lots of questions about player salaries and so forth. So, right. you know, what's going to happen? Okay. we run out of time yet? Yeah, we have. You enjoy your trip to the Red Centre. Thank you. I'll see you in two weeks. listeners, you join us next week when we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.